Hello, everyone, and welcome to an American Scouser podcast. I am your host today, Timuçin, and the local Turkish rep. Uh, Jamie is not with us today, so we will be missing his Irish accent. But uh, with us today, we have Paul Bickler, the resident Peacock rep and Divak Origi fan club president. Paul, how's it going? Good, how are you? Ah, great, great, doing great. And the man behind the glass with all the buttons that we don't know what they do. Uh, Parker, our producer, is with us. Parker, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. Feels good to win again. Yes, it does. I'm glad we're kind of recording this podcast uh, on the Champions League night after the Leipzig game as opposed to our regular Monday night recordings because uh, obviously puts a lot more of a positive spin uh, to this podcast. So we'll talk about all that stuff, but let's start with the game first. The boys took on Leipzig today and it was good news overall. Yeah, man, it was good to get a win to see... <clears throat> you know, actually have uh, a new center back playing back there. It just was, it just felt solid across the board. You know, I mentioned earlier, it was pretty amazing to see like us having had two goals on three shots at one point, you know, because usually it's been taking us like 15 shots to get a goal. So to see some sort of efficiency in front of goal was nice. Um, you know, Jones had a nice game. Tiago had a nice game. Obviously solid on got on the board. Um, so it just felt like overall, it felt kind of like riding the ship again, which which was good. I think overall that we're like, yeah, when you look at the performances, and let's be honest, you know, like the games where we have not done well recently, it wasn't necessarily bad play. It was kind of like not capitalizing on like some of the situations we had, but uh, it was kind of good to get those goals. And I thought, like I say, we didn't play bad against Leicester. We kind of like hurt ourselves with our mistakes. There was a lot less of that today and kind of like Leipzig picked up the slack and did their own mistakes to kind of help us out. But uh, I mean, out of, I mean, obviously it's the same 11 as we had against Leicester. Um, I mean, Curtis is in there again. What did you think overall of the midfield before we kind of, you know, go back to the back line? Obviously we're going to talk about a couple of specific players, but what did you think in terms of what they brought? Um, I thought obviously it was overall a much better performance. Um, wait, I noticed that Mo was talking really early in the game to Tiago about basically saying he's got, he's got that ball all day, like play that ball through. He's got, he's got space. Um, and I think that was a combination of Leipzig playing an incredibly high line. And also we know that Angelina likes to get forward down the left. So there was room there. Um, there's going to be room for Mo all day and, I think Diago did a nice job of, of, of putting the ball in the space down the wing. Um, Jeannie did Jeannie things. Um, I think, you know, when we look at the midfield uh, that we've had and that we've put out in the last like month or two, I think it's pretty amazing that to me, Curtis Jones had a slight dip. He had like two games where he was kind of off it a little bit, um, two or three games maybe, but I would say, man, in my opinion, Curtis Jones has been the best midfielder for us, like consistently. When you talk about consistency across the entire year, um, I think he's been – I think he's outperformed Diago if you put the – I don't think he's as talented as him yet, but in terms of performance across the year, man, my my hat goes off to Curtis Jones. I, I, I'm really high on him. I'm really bullish on him. Um, and I know that, you know, I always say I think he's got to have a, a, a big future at the club, but – this year, to me, the performance level has been a huge, huge jump um, from from last year, obviously. But I, I think, I, to me, he's 
he gets a nod for me. Obviously, it's different if Thab, uh, if Thab and Hendo are in, but I, I can't really say enough good things about where I think he's at. Yeah, I mean, we forget that the kid has only just turned 20. Right. I mean, he's been around for a while. That's for one, I think. And the way he carries himself overall, I think is, you know, makes a difference that you don't notice that he's so young and yeah, definitely has a lot of potential. I agree in terms of, in terms of the attacking sense, I think he probably brings the most. Uh, I feel like he messes around on the ball a lot less than the others. Um, Like doesn't keep the ball as much. And that's kind of like our play. I know at one point today, he kind of like almost like turned the ball over with a bad pass and like Hendo was all over him uh, in terms of like moving the ball quicker and stuff like that. But yeah, I thought, you know, overall, they controlled the game pretty well in midfield. We kept winning the ball back in a lot faster than, you know, like Leipzig would have liked to see, I would think. I, I was really shocked at how Leipzig played. It's almost like, did you guys not watch any of our past games to know right. like what stops us? They, they had their defensive line all the way up to midfield, which is like essentially the only way that that this team in this form right now would be guaranteed to beat you. <laughs> like, so like, like, like I just felt like it was like borderline reckless on their part. Like they push, you've got three at the back. Your two wingbacks are both players that like to get forward. You're essentially daring Liverpool to play through you on the back, which is, what exactly what we would want to do. So yeah, it was, it was a puzzling, it seemed like a puzzling tactic for sure. Yeah. I mean, when we first started the game, I'm like, okay, you know, like they haven't settled on yet, but they kept doing it. And I mean, honestly, some of our passes up front were just really like booting the ball and, you know, like hoping like, you know, like Mane brings it down or Salah brings it down. And once they brought it down, they were able to use their speed and stuff like that and create stuff. I mean, we had some chances in the beginning, like I say, overall, I thought it was like a good performance. Obviously, after the last couple of games and with everything in mind, we are watching probably certain players uh, more closely than others. So not that because I'm Turkish, but let's start with the Turkish kid first. Uh, Ozan Kabak, um, what did you make of his performance? Whatever I say is going to go biased these days, so I'll <laughs> let you go first. Well, I mean, he did get man of the match, so... I saw that. I mean, I wouldn't, but then again, I wouldn't want to be biased. So like what, so like, yeah, Parker, like, what did you, I mean, was he your man of the match? I mean, personally, I would have gave it, given it to Jones. Um, kind of like how Paul was saying, I'm pretty bullish on Curtis Jones too. I think, uh, I think him and Harvey Elliott both have a very, very strong future ahead of them. And hopefully that strong future is at Liverpool because they, I really think the two of them are going to be some incredible, incredible ball players. With that said, I mean, look, Kabak was good. He was very good, and especially for, you know, his second game, right? Yep. At the club, he played incredibly well, was very, had really good synergy with the rest of the team, with the rest of the players. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's fair to give him man of the match. But I mean, I personally, if I was in charge of it, I probably wouldn't have personally give it to him, but I'm not like upset about it or anything like that. I think it's, it's deserved. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, obviously it's the second game. I think it's, he did definitely look a lot more comfortable than the first game. And I think 
I mean, I don't know what you think, Paul, but I felt like he almost like took the field, saw Leipzig across, and it was like, oh, shit, I played against these guys before. And that kind of, mm-hmm. especially for a defender, that kind of helps. Yeah, I think that's a big confidence boost. Yeah, I mean, he was super solid. I think the thing that stood out for me is, you know, ball playing center halves are not easy to find. And he looks super, super comfortable on the ball. I haven't seen, you know, I've heard of him for probably two or three years now, just because like we've been linked with him before in the past. And he's sort of like on this short list of young and upcoming center halves and center backs. So I didn't know that he was that, he was way better on the ball than than I expected him to be. He looked really confident that's only going to get better. You know, this is why I'm really hesitant to like, to make calls on players. We spent all this time wanting a new center back acquisition. We get one, then we want to play them right away. Then we play them. The debacle with Allison happens. And then I'm looking at support group forums and social media all week talking about why the fuck are we playing this kid? He's not ready. You know, Phillips is just as good, if not faster than him, all sorts of stuff um, that is outrageous. And that's why I just, we just need to like, everybody just needs to cool out. I'm glad that we committed to playing somebody that we acquired because I know Klopp likes to ease people in and he likes to take a long time doing so. So my fear was, all right, we bought a couple of center backs in the market. We'll see him in four months. Right. Like, so like, I'm glad that like he saw the urgency in the matter with Fabian out. Uh, uh, in, in, you know, I'm, I still cannot get Henderson in the midfield fast enough. Uh, but I was glad to see him stick with him, even though he had kind of a shaky first performance, um, because this is kind of like Allison too, right? You stick with players that, you know, are going to be locked into your starting 11 if you need them. So I'm glad to see him get some consistency. Cause that's, that's really what he needs. He needs to play through this. Um, but yeah, better than expected. People forget this dude's 20 years old. He's the same age as Curtis Jones. He's super, super young. So like he went to Schalke, his confidence probably took a hit at Schalke because that team is terrible defensively. So it's going to take some time to gel. He's playing on a, a team that's, that's better than any team he's ever been on and where half the players are playing out of their natural position. So there's going to be an adjustment period. I thought he did as, as well as anyone could ever ask that kid to play today. I think so too. I mean, yeah, for one, yeah, he's young as heck. He's only 20. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of him and that's because he's freaking 20. And I mean, it, even in the national team, I've seen him come in a few times as a, actually like a right back, uh, not even like a back three, but he was still a back four and he came in and plugged in like the right back spot. Cause on the Turkish national team, he's behind some good players like Chalar Soyuncu from uh, Lesser City and then Merit Demiral plays for Juventus. So he's like kind of like the third center back behind those guys. But for a kid his age, he has a lot of experience. I mean, he played for Galatasaray, one of the biggest teams in Turkey, which is automatically a lot of pressure. And they, he was snatched up right away from Germany. So, you know, those guys do their scouting. And he was snatched up, I think it was only like 18 or so when he went to Germany. And he played for like two teams there so far. And like I said, he's good on the ball. Uh, I mean, he did make some, you can tell he's going to try to play it on the ground a lot more than he's going to like launch it. Like, you know, Van Dijk would to me, he is more similar to Gomez than anything else in terms of playing style. But I, I mean, to your point, he is playing next to a midfielder as center back. 
And we always talk about how the person next to, you know, Van Dyke looks like a superstar and stuff like that. So it is interesting to see down the road, this kid actually playing next to an actual center back and it will only get better. I mean, he's going to make mistakes. I mean, any defender is going to, I was more worried that he would be criticized too harshly in the beginning and I was worried about like a mistake. So we're kind of like talk about the Leicester game in a bit. And, but before we even get to that, I mean, that's going to be a common theme, I guess, would be with Kabak would be Alisson in goal. Uh, so we had that blunder at the Leicester game. I more put that on the goalie than Kabak, to be honest with you. But I can't say that shit online now, see? Like, because then it's like I'm sticking out for the Turkish boy. So this has been a huge mess for I'll, me. I'll say it for you. Thanks, man. Yeah, anytime <laughs> I get to say something for Kabak, I'm just going to CC you and you can. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Hey, Paul, I know you're working, but real quick. I'll <laughs> so, come defend me on Twitter, please. I mean, we saw, obviously, what we know what happened in the City game with those blunders, and then that happens. What did you make, Paul, of his performance today? Obviously, he had some you know, huge saves again, uh, but in terms of how he kind of distributed the ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't – his confidence is obviously taking a hit. He doesn't look as assured on the ball as we're used to seeing. I don't think he, I, I think he was conservative, um, which is, which I'm okay with right now. I mean, if his confidence is not there, I'd way rather him be safe than, than try to make things out of nothing out of the back. Um, so aside from his confidence, um, I think he had a, a good game. Like I think my takeaway from today is that, this is why you continue to play world-class players, even when they're not in world-class form. Right. I mean, because any other keeper in today and it's likely one nil Leipzig out of the gate. Um, He made a couple of really, really huge stops early. And not only is that going to be good for his confidence, but you know, games are different. They're they're, a nil, one nil different, uh, one nil down. We, we probably approach that game a bit differently. Um, So, I think he made some really, really big stops that impacted the way the game kind of played out shaped early on. Um, but that's really my key takeaway is like, I'm glad that clock continued to stay with him because I know a lot of people, it, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a bad take or that like, there's no validity to this opinion, but obviously there's a lot of people calling the rest Allison right now. Gallagher played pretty well. Um, you know, get the young guy in there, um, give Allison a chance to sort of rest and reboot. Um, because he appears to be a little bit distracted. Um, and I get that opinion, but I, I also think that in some ways that can mess with the player more. Um, so I, I was glad to see Klopp kind of stick with him uh, and see him kind of ride it out because I think he's going to play through it for sure. I think especially a goalie. I mean, it's like we're yeah. talking like a whole different animal. I mean, it, you know, him sitting on the sideline and watching a game is not going to help his focus. I almost feel like he will doubt himself even more when he goes back out there. I mean, it's not something you do with a goalie, especially a guy who even in those games where he made huge mistakes in like the city game and in the, like the lesser game, he had some huge saves as well. So it's not like, you know, he was terrible throughout the game. Uh, So yeah, I saw those in terms of being rested. I, I feel like, First, to your point about world-class players, you know, you got to play him. Uh, but more importantly, I think because he's a goalie, more than rest, he kind of needs that vote of confidence in terms of putting him back out there. I felt it was totally different in today's game when the lesser game started. And if you notice throughout the game, there were a lot of moments where you would expect somebody to pass it back to him. And it almost looked like they were going out of their way 
in the lesser game not to pass it back to him and put him in those situations because I'm right. I'm assuming you know they kind of heard more about putting him in those situations like you know you know why pass it back to Becker when you didn't have to and put him right. in tough spots make him the playmaker kind of thing whereas it was kind of like the opposite today we were back to where we originally were yeah that's true I mean there definitely was more distribution back to him I don't know how much of that was like that's a funny thing, you know, because I think during the Leicester match, you know, it was the game before Leicester match. You made, I think it was the second error that he made. You said that the pass back to him was unnecessary and put him under a lot of pressure. And I wonder if there wasn't some sort of comment from Klopp or, or a coach that was like, listen, you guys, like, you got to help him out. Like, you know, don't, if you can, you know, I wonder if there's a, a small comment made um, going into the Leicester match. And that was a little bit more on their forefront than uh, that because the trend in football right now is playing out of the back, right? And especially having like a, a, a ball playing center halves and, and, and goalkeepers that are good with their feet. That's kind of a trend across world football, but like that can backfire on you in a big way <laughs> as we've seen. So like, I, I, I kind of, uh, I think there's a happy medium, like, you know, have, have Allison involved. Obviously we, we can all, we can all, like, I joked, like, you know, I joked after the Lester match and, and after the other match that I was just going to completely block that out. And my only memory of Allison was going to be that 80 yard bomb over the top of Mo Salah's shoulder for the United win. Right. So like, there's a happy medium there. I think, I think we'll return to like having him more involved. Uh, but I think like, you know, I don't blame them for, for playing that way in the Lester match. And I don't know, I don't think, I don't think it was intentional. I think that was just, you know, like you, you play with what's in the back of your head. Right. Which I think this whole team has sort of been inside his head for a couple of months now. And I think, I think part of that psychologically is, is like when you have half of a team playing outside their natural position, like I think that has to play on you psychologically, not only in your own team, but with the team that you're playing against, you know, like the team that you're playing against has to think like, you know, half these guys aren't even like, you know, Henderson's not a proper center back. Like, you know, Jones is a teenager. Like, I think that plays a part. So I think there'll be some natural fluctuation in the way they involve Allison, just depending on form. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel like you're right in terms of the, you know, people heard about not having to, you know, passing it back when they didn't have to. I cannot remember if it was his very first Leicester blunder when he first arrived or the game after where he made like one of those errors and I remember club afterwards you know talking about you know instead of blaming Becker he was more focused on why did we play it back there in the first right. place I can't remember which goal this was but um, I think it was the second one I think I don't I don't know and I know like partially that's, you know, protecting your player and not throwing him under the bus, but I think there was some truth to it too. So I think, you know, they came out to the lesser game with that kind of on the back of their head, but I mean, yeah, so we're on the same page. I think I'm a Parker. What is your take on that? I mean, did you feel like, were you one of those that was like, Hey, yeah, let's rest them a little bit. Or were you kind of like, keep the confidence on this kid? No. Cause you know, I was thinking when you guys are first saying that, keepers are kind of like kickers in American football where, you know, it's a different breed. They're a different beast. They're a different type of player than the traditional all player that's on the field. And I think a 
big part of both of those positions is the confidence factor in the sense that if that confidence goes down and you get in a rut, you're trash. Um, you know, there's actually a really great episode. If you guys have ever heard of the show Blue Mountain State, it's a comedy show about um, a college football team. And there's an episode centered around the kicker who he had like one or two bad kicks in a game and just absolutely lost all confidence is playing like garbage. And they had to like, you know, expel the demons. And there's a bunch of really goofy hijinks, um, if you could call it that, going on. Um, but, you know, I, I think that a keeper is a very much a similar scope to that where it's a lot of mental game, it's a lot of mentality, and it's a lot of, you know, you can ruin yourself by getting into your own head too much. You know, if you start to overthink it, then you just go straight downhill. I mean, I can, I can speak from personal experience. You know, I'm not much of a kicker or a keeper, but, um, you know, when I play five aside and get put as keeper, when I'm not thinking about what I'm doing and just stopping the ball, I do decent, you know, as, as good as a five foot eight keeper can do or five, six keeper. I don't know why I said five, eight. Um, I was going to say, what are you wearing? Yeah, you know, I guess the cleat, the cleats add a little bit. Um, but like, you know, as soon as I start to, you know, if I let one in start to think, oh, I should have done this. I should have done this. That's when I just nosedive and I just go so, to. Parker, here's my main takeaway, man. You're going to love this, right? So the kicker analogy. Yeah. I think this is a real merchandising opportunity for us. at <laughs> We need to get a laces out shirt with the silhouette of Becker. Ace Ventura style. I like it. I like that a lot. I'd buy it. I'll put, I'm putting that on the shop tomorrow. Okay, we'll do yes, it. Perfect. Put it in the brainstorm channel. Even if it's just me buying it, I'm fine with it. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, we're all on the same page. I mean, yeah. I, I felt it was kind of like not the smartest idea to rest them. And obviously, Klopp agrees. And like I said, the guy makes key save after key save. Uh, and we've talked about this before about defense or midfield playing better with what's behind them and i would think you know having lsm behind is a lot more comforting to the entire defensive line anyway but if he uh, tells so, him there, yeah if he exactly. tells him there and he doesn't run out 40 yards out of his goal and jump in the air silently like an assassin <laughs> yeah so let's get before we get to the lesser game let's finish off this champions league matchup so obviously yeah. 2-0 away win is huge uh, doesn't guarantee anything, especially with all these games being at neutral grounds. And obviously, Leipzig is a dangerous team. I mean, they're like, I think they're still second in the uh Bundesliga. So, so Paul, where do you put our chances? Like 80 20 is what I was going with, or are you going uh, even a higher percentage for us to go to? Yeah, next? man, it was like, yeah, I was like, man, I was like 15, I was real low on us going into this match. But um, I feel pretty good about it, man, because, like, you know, aside from a few hiccups here and there, like, just complete outliers for games, like, we don't really concede goals, like, at an alarming rate, even when we're not at our best. Um, and maybe that's down to, like, maybe we've sacrificed goals on the front end because we played more conservative defensively to make up for all the players being out of position. But I still like our chances. I mean, if we're looking at – yeah, if we're looking at going forward, I feel good about it. I mean, 
let's let's face it, we're gonna need some things to bounce our way for us to to get to the finals. But like, let's be realistic. We knock out three teams and we're back in the final. So I think we're a very I think I think this Liverpool team. Um, and when I say this Liverpool team, I mean, like, I don't mean the injured one. I mean, like our squad in general, I think is a very, very tough knockout team. Like it's very, very hard to put Liverpool out over two legs. Well, especially the fact that we're not playing for the Premier League anymore either. Right. Which, yeah. Okay. So let's get to that. I mean, I, in terms of like this round, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I put us at 80% chance now only because having seen how Leipzig played this game, it's not like they can go back and say, oh, shit, we should have done what other Premier League teams do and sit back because now they got to come out because they got to score at least two. And I feel like that will give us an opportunity to score more goals on them. They just did not have the speed overall and the agility it felt like to keep up with Mo and Mane. And I feel like those guys will get their chance and will get a goal. And going back to your point, Paul, I do not see them you know, scoring three, four and stuff like that, especially if we're on our game. And yeah, we have become, I mean, we've always been, but I feel like when the team is more focused, it's probably a better suited right now for like a knockout run kind of competition. And let's go back to what Parker was talking about. We're, that's pretty much where we're at right now. Uh, I mean, Klopp talked about, you know, already conceding the title, which I mean, like I say to me, and I got my head chopped off for it. Uh, the moment we lost to Brighton, I thought, the title was slightly out of reach. It was going to be almost impossible. And after the city game, I felt it was pretty much a done deal. But so now we're going to be hoping for the top four, just in case we don't win this Champions League. Uh, and so where do you put our chances on that, Paul? I mean, looking at like, you know, who we're going up against. I mean, we have some people coming back. You don't know who we're going to be losing along the way, obviously, as well. But uh, you would think these center backs will have more time under their belts. Um, I mean, I know we were talking off the air about maybe by Sheffield game, we'll have both of those guys starting together and stuff like that. But where do you put our chances? Where do you see us? If you had to make a call right now, how, where do we finish the league? Um, I will say, man, that's a tough call. I say, if I had to make a call right now, I'd say that we finished third. Um, and I think that's because there's going to be a really concentrated effort on just trying to run the table towards the end of the season to gain momentum in the next season. Um, I think that it's only a matter of time until Henderson gets back in the midfield. And when he's in the midfield, statistics say we're almost unbeatable when he's in midfield. Like straight up, we just do not lose when he's in the midfield. Um, so regardless of the moving pieces, you got to think that Jota coming back is going to make a difference. Maybe Navi can stay fit for longer than 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, there are things that are, I think, you know, if, 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 you know, Kavak continues his form and plays well, he's a solidified center back back there that could make a difference. Um, I'm looking at these teams, right? Like, We've got Everton, West Ham, Chelsea, Leicester, United. Those are kind of the teams in this this sort of mix. It's like one, two, three, four, five, five teams in this mix. We know United can lose at any point to anybody. Um, Leicester looks good offensively, but they're vulnerable defensively. Um, we look at Chelsea, don't know what's going to – like we never know what Chelsea team is going to show up. 
they're almost better when they play their young players and, and bench their 200 million summer window. Um, West Ham, big team. Um, but I mean, they draw a lot. I don't, I don't know if West Ham's going to hang that they've kind of been punching above their weight all season. And then I'm just not a believer. I'm not a believer in Everton. I mean, it's not in rivalry aside. I just don't think they have enough quality to hang. Um, so, and then if you look at our actual upcoming matches, it's a pretty decent run in, which really means nothing probably means worse for us because we seem to lose the bottom of the table. This is like vintage, like Brendan Rogers, Liverpool, where we like, like smoke all the top of the table and then lose to like Fulham. Um, but we've got Sheffield United, Fulham, Wolves, all teams that struggle to score essentially coming up. Um, Fulham is much improved. They look a lot better. Sheffield United has caught some form. Uh, Wolves are just, they're not, until they get raw, you get is back, they're going to struggle. Uh, so, I mean, the next three matches are, are, are pretty winnable matches. We've got a struggling Arsenal after that. And then you got Villa, Leeds, Newcastle. So it's really six or seven super winnable matches coming up. Um, yeah, I'll say, I'll say, I think we can, I think we'll be in there at third. I will say third. I'll actually agree to that too. I I hate looking at that schedule because last time we did this yep. in January happened. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like, you know, with what we're going up against, if this team goes on a mini run, which is very capable of, and like you're saying, if we get Fab back, even if you don't play Davis and you play, you know, Fab and Kabak back there together, I feel like moving Hando up. I mean, Hando, Genie, Thiago uh, with, uh, yeah, I'm not even counting Keita until I see him like five games back to back to back. Uh, <laughs> to, to believe that we actually did sign him and he's one of our players. Uh, and then, uh, you know, like you have like Jones and stuff like that, but, uh, I believe so too. Parker, give us a number. Where are we finishing the season? We'll probably visit this in a month anyway, but I kind of want to get your guys take now that, you know, we're pretty much shooting for top four and focusing on champions league. Yeah. I'm going to come off as the, uh, pessimist here, but I'm going to say you, that's my job. Yeah, I know I'm stealing it. <laughs> I, I think fourth, just because. I think as we progress further in the Champions League, we're going to put a lot more focus on that because that's our only hope for silverware this year. Um, so I think as we push hard on that, we're going to make a couple of dumb draws to, uh, you know, a uh, you know West Ham or something like that, like a team that theoretically we should beat, but we're going to draw them just because our focus is going to be on that upcoming champions league match i was emotionally prepared for you to say seventh <laughs> i know when he said pessimist that was kind of like a curveball i thought we were i'm not the pessimist right of the three of us yeah so i got a lot to teach you about pessimism my friend yeah that's fair <laughs> it's, it's a lot more hardcore than that but <laughs> so i don't want to really go too much into the lesser game Let's yeah before game before we get to that just a couple oh, ahead, fun see. facts about the uh our match that happened today. Um, so as you said, Le- Leipzig is second place. They're four points behind uh, Bayern, or they were. I don't know how Bayern did today, but they were four points behind Bayern, um, which all things considered is a pretty close run with them winning, you know, every single year again and, and again and again and again. Good times in Bundesliga, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
they're they're kind of gods over there. Um, they've won their past four matches, where we're coming off three straight losses, or we were coming off three straight losses. Um, second place finish for them, the best they've ever had. If they, uh, you know, if they manage to do that, uh, as we all know, we've never played against them before. Um, however. In our last 10 meetings with German clubs, going back to 2002, we haven't lost. And out of our last 17 two-legged ties against Bundesliga opposition, we've won 15 of of those. See, Bickler, those percentages are going up with every fact he names out over there. Yeah, that's, uh, I thought I was the pessimist. Yeah, so, I, I mean we always seem to turn out pretty well against German teams. Like I remember it was two years ago that we ran up against Bayern really late. Right. Yes. That was when we won number six. Right. I'd I'd rather not do that again though. No, same, but (laughs) you know, Bayern, one of the best teams in the world, we rolled over them, you know? So I, I don't know what it is that we're doing. I don't know if it's Klopp's past as a uh, Bundesliga manager and knowing, you know, the ins and outs of how that league plays, the ins and outs of some of how those oppositions play, which, again, that latter point not, might not be it because this is the first time he's played Leipzig, as far as I know, because I don't think they were up when he was back at Dortmund. So I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why but we do really well against Germans right now. So I, I feel pretty confident about us uh, making it into the next round just from that fact alone that, you know, we seem to be able to feel pretty strongly against those German squads. So let it roll, let it ride. Let's do it again. Yeah, that's definitely like a good sign going forward. Like I said, I feel, I mean, after today's performance and knowing what could happen, it, it's no guarantee crazy things happen, but mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, performance overall and just like the situation we put him in, and like we said before, like I, they just can't sit back, which is what we struggle against. So uh, let's go back to Klopp. You mentioned Klopp like, when you were talking. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of bounce off you guys and see what your guys' take is, because there was a lot of chatter, a lot of rumors Obviously, they were rumors now that, you know, like how the kind of like club cleared it out. But I saw a ton of posts about, you know, club taking time off. He should take time off to mourn. And obviously, you know, his mom passed and stuff like that. But what did you make of those? I mean, before I give my take on it, because obviously everybody is going to be different and everybody is going to be different in terms of how we handle, you know, a loss or like different situations and stuff. But Paul, I mean, what did you think of that when you see that? I mean, it, it to me, it didn't even seem feasible, but what was your reaction when you saw all these comments and posts? Um, this this is going to come off as really dickish, which is probably fairly consistent with me. But um, it's like, part for the course. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that that opinion is, um, I think it's somebody who's interested in finding a solution for our poor form, giving an opinion, mask, like masquerading as care for clock. When it's not really, I don't think people are really caring that. I, I don't think that that's rooted in a care for his well-being as much as it is trying to find a solution for what's happening with the, the team right now. And, and I don't know that people are doing that. In, I don't think it's necessarily intentional on everybody's behalf, but I think that a lot of people just aren't really thinking about it rationally. Like, he can't go 
to Germany. So what's he going to do? Sit in his apartment and watch the match? Like sit in the stands and watch the match? Do you think that removing him from like the only real family that he has, like is the solution to that? Like, I, I just don't think that makes a lot of sense to me. And also like, have we considered what he would want? Like, like when I'm grieving or I'm going through an extremely emotionally distressing time, like sometimes work is the only thing that I have, you know what I mean? To like get through something. Like, I think that, that, that him trying to sort out the solution to what's happening uh, and working with the team right now is probably super important for him mentally. Um, but I mean, I get it. Things aren't going well in people. I think people see a Klopp who looks emotionally distressed and looks sad and looks upset. And we're not used to seeing that. We're used to seeing this big white grin, these hugs, this like the fist pump to the crowd, um, humor, humorous press conferences, um, him laughing. Um, we're used to him shrugging off things when things aren't going his way. We're not used to seeing him looking like he's about to cry at a press conference. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, when I saw one post, I was like, well, that's kind of crazy. And then I kept seeing like different comments and, and I just did not understand. And I honestly, your explanation kind of like makes a bit of sense to me. I didn't think of that angle, uh, probably unintentional, like you're saying, but people were like, hey, it'll be a change for everybody kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like you took some yeah. time off, but I, I don't know. I mean, I lost my uh, father when I was in college as uh, I wasn't like a sophomore then. And I I just, I mean, I remember them telling me, you know, like, oh, if you want to take more time from school and stuff, I was like, no, fuck, I want to go back. Because, you know, that like you're saying, that's your only normalcy, uh, what you're used to. So you want more of that as opposed to like, yeah, what am I going to do? Like stay at home and, you know, like think about, you know, the loss and stuff like that. So I thought it was odd. Uh, but to be honest, I'm glad I, I asked because your explanation kind of like kind of makes sense in terms of what some people's thinking might be. I mean, I think it it is kind of contagious. And yeah, you're not going to be the happy-go-lucky guy. I mean, even before, we don't know the circumstances. Uh, I believe January 19th is when I heard it happened. Uh, but you don't know if it was coming or whatever. But obviously, a manager is not going to be as happy when the momentum is not there and everything is not doing right. And, you know, he's in his mind thinking hundred things of like what they should do differently to fix it and stuff like that. You can't expect him to react the same way as he would when, you know, you just rolled out 18 wins and you suddenly like tied due to a mistake or something like that. So you'd be like, Oh, who cares? So it was odd to see, honestly, like these last month, month and a half has been kind of like odd to see internet reactions of suddenly we came, we went from being ahead in Christmas and that team before 2021 started was like, oh, it's like a, you know, almost like a dynasty, Klopp Edwards forever, FSG pulling all the right moves and stuff like that. We went from that within like what four weeks we went to fsg out i mean there were literally people you were thinking sarcasm but there were people saying plop out for fuck's sake yeah that's wild man that's just straight up gibberish like it's just people yammering like and i don't like i get the i get the fsg out like people do not like corporate america like across the board i get it like and so any any reason for those people to crawl back out under their 
from under their cardboard boxes and start yelling that again. They've been waiting for a long time. So I get that. But yeah, the clop out stuff is just absolutely crazy. And it's like, I don't believe that those people that genuinely feel that way. I don't believe those people have followed the club for very long. But even if you follow the club for freaking, I mean, how long have they followed the club to come with the determination, like the fixes getting rid of club? I mean, you would think. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, he's been like, you could follow it for like eight months and still think he's amazing. I don't know. Like you're like, I don't, it's just, it, it blows my mind that like those like, God, dude, it's like, we're living the information age, right? And, and the internet has given a voice to everybody. And that's not always a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm all for new fans. I mean, one of the biggest battles on our sites and, you know, like everything we do, especially for the fans in the US, you know, usually get a bad name for being like, you know, bandwagon fans, new fans, they don't know the sport, blah, blah, blah. And we fight that on a daily basis on American Scouser. And that's kind of like half our battle really is to kind of get all those negative thoughts away and focus on rooting for the team. But I just feel like this has shown any success, you're going to have a bunch of new fans, but it kind of like is showing more and more when things go south over the last four or five weeks of why people became Liverpool fans, some of them. Uh, I see it, to be honest with you, more than, I mean, I see it in the U.S. groups as well, I guess, but I feel like I see it a lot more in international groups where someone might have become a fan for Liverpool because they're a Mane fan or, you know, they're a Mo fan and, you know, he's there, so I'm going to root for them and this kind of thing. And it almost shows now because everything... Like, if they like Mo and, you know, like, then somehow they don't like Mane. I don't know why. But, um, you know, if you're a Mo fan, it's Mane's fault. If you're Mane fan, it's Mo's fault. Uh, if you like Jota, it's Bobby's fault. It's like, you know, whoever you're rooting for, there's another e- part of the equation that's our fault. I feel like it has really come out, which could be good. If this team kind of, like, turns around, I think everybody got exposed and we can move on from there. But it has been kind of, like, shocking to see how divided it is in terms of like how the fans root for the team. Yeah. I think a little bit, some of that's a natural occurrence of modern football being star driven now. Right. I mean, like, it's kind of like the NBA and I think it's, it's more prevalent in sports that have less players on the actual quarter pitch. Like, you know, the NBA, you've got five aside, right. You know, in soccer, you've got 11 aside essentially. And I think, especially with football being so international, you know, you have somebody in Senegal, right, who's like, you know, best player is Mane, right? Or, you know, like you've got players, you know, obviously the, you know, Mo is a once-in-a-lifetime talent for Egypt. So I think you do have um, a, a huge fan base that follows individual players, right? And now Liverpool, you know, we are sort of – this is sort of the – our pinnacle into – as, as we sort of move into modern football and modern times, Liverpool hasn't necessarily been a star attraction as a club for a long time, you know, and now we are. So we are, we're accumulating a lot of these players that are once in a generation talents for countries. And so I think we are getting more of those fans as a result, right? Like you didn't see this when we had our second round with Dag Leash or Hodgson, you know, or, you know, when we had Roy with like, even with Rafa, you just didn't see it to this extent. Um, and I think that's kind of a, 
I think a byproduct of our overwhelming success is that we are drawing these star talents now that we didn't necessarily have before um, from smaller countries. And I think that that's sort of a byproduct of, of that. And so it's just a sort of a, a huge snowball of all these different factors that are happening with football right now. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, having an international background, I know, you know, being from Turkey when we didn't have as many, I mean, we still don't have, I guess, stars, if you will, but there's a ton of like Turkish players in the NBA now, but when it was only, I mean, the first one to kind of like make it and make a name for themselves was Hido Turkol and he was playing for like the Kings and everybody in Turkey was a Kings fan. (laughs) So nothing to do with Sacramento, but you know, like everybody in Turkey was rooting for the Kings. And then obviously that changes over time as you kind of develop more talents where, Oh, there's a Turkish guy here. There's a Turkish guy there. I guess we're not Kings fans anymore. And then, you know, like it just kind of like changes. So yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, and I love that about this team, the fact that now there's a Turkish guy, there's a Greek guy, you know, I just love the fact that, you know, it's such a, melting pot of like this like huge talent and i really love that about him because they almost have their own like unique personalities to go with it too it's just kind of like very disappointing and discouraging i should say to see some of the discussions in the forums based not on facts or anything like that but more based like assumptions being made based off of feelings like so-and-so is not happy there you don't freaking know i mean you assume but you don't freaking know and it's just kind of like been shocking to see some of the stuff like thrown out there so a lot of adults having emotional reactions online, okay? <laughs> like, yeah. And I think maybe, like, this whole, uh, like, the pandemic is not helping the cause either because we yeah. have way too much time to, like, <laughs> stay and pound on why is Mo not scoring this one or Mane's not passing that one and all that kind of crap. So that's probably... I'm going to look up the last 48 games to see who passed more, Mo or Mane. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, like, hopefully another great reason to get rid of this freaking pandemic would be maybe a bit more sanity for, like, everybody. So, uh, before we wrap up, let's kind of, like, take a look ahead. Obviously, the Derby game against Everton is next. I feel like, I honestly, like, the last couple of performances have been improving. This is kind of like one of those games where it doesn't matter how hot we are or how cold we are for both teams. It doesn't really matter as much. But what do you predict in terms of lineup and in terms of like gameplay, Paul? Oh, what could possibly go wrong here? Um, <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be a really, really intense match. Um, I hope that we can keep our heads uh, out of the gutter because you know Everton's gonna try to pull it down there. Um, I, I expect, I expect the lineup to be as close to possible to, it's going to be as close to today's lineup as possible. I don't think at this point, my gut feeling is that Jurgen is not as concerned about rest as he is about finding some consistency and fluidity in, in, in the 11 that are on the pitch right now. Um, I think at this point, knowing that the, the league is likely gone, I think he's just trying to find a team that can put it all together. Um, it's obviously a big match. I expect, I don't do we, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard about Fabinho about where he's at. Where's Megan. Megan's got to give us an injury update. Um, 
<laughs> Megan, is... the, with her uh, secret pictures, Megan is one of our regular contributors on America's Scouser. No. Uh, we've been she trying to get her. You guys, so she doesn't want to get on here, but we really just need her to come in with injury updates, like she does what every morning. Photos from the training sessions showing who's doing what, but right, exactly. Um, it. I mean, I don't know. I. I don't. My gut feeling is that Fabinho is not going to start. I think it will be Henderson in the back again. I would be. Kabak probably gets another start. I think it's going to be Rob on Trent, Allison. I think the midfield will probably stay unchanged. I think it's going to be Genie. I think it's going to be the same lineup. I don't. I don't see. I mean. I don't see a change that you can really make. Milner just took a knock. Like, I mean, Ox is out of form. Um, I don't. Yeah, he I don't looks know what else. Sometimes, didn't he? I don't think you're going to start Shaq in there. Like, I, I don't see. I don't see what else you do. Like, I don't think this is the game where uh, you know they put a Rigi up there um, to make a difference. I, I, uh, I, you only wish, Paul. I know you want it, but listen. I know I give Rigi a hard time. But it is well-deserved, all right? 18 months of watching that dude loaf. I know he's created some magic. I just want him to look like he gives a shit. And I appreciate the fact that he's cool and Luke and that he makes it look super easy. And he makes game-winning goals look like he did it on accident because he's not really trying. And I'm, I'm just here to say that that may not be an act, okay? He may not really care. But anyway, uh, I still think it's going to be the same lineup. I don't see any changes. Um, even though that's crazy turnaround. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know. That was the that was the voice of the president of the Dubai Corey V fan club, uh, Paul Bickler. Parker, what do you have for your guests? Notice uh, Paul uh, kind of sidestepped the result question, just went with the lineup. I personally think it's going to be the – I agree. I think it's going to be the same lineup because I don't see a change. Unless Fab comes in and we can shift handle to midfield. And then that will probably knock Jones, I would think, uh, off midfield. Uh, I just cannot see a change. It would be unnecessary to try to bring Shaq in and take Jones out and stuff like that. I feel like Shaq always plays better off the bench anyway, to be honest. Uh, if anything, he would come in if we're trying to you know, like go for a goal or something like that. But uh, let's take your guess, Parker. And don't sidestep the result question. Like, Oh, what? I won't sidestep the result. I just wanted to, I wanted to give the same starting 11 too, but... How about the final? Don't yeah, I've final. already done it. So you yeah. have to give us a score and a new lineup. Mm, That's well, the rule. All right, fine. We'll swap out. It. We'll swap out Hendo for Phillips. <laughs> oh, okay. And... I like that. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't do it, but it's right. Yeah, that's not. That's not a bad swap, though. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe maybe Nico Williams in somewhere. But I don't know who I'd replace him for. Yeah, I know you're trying maybe, to start now. Maybe Thiago. <laughs> just I was I was like, joking, Parker. You can oh, you can actually okay. you don't <laughs> have to have a different. So what's no, but, score so, so I mean score prediction. I will make one prediction. I bet Thiago's gonna get yellow. <laughs> <laughs> because you know that's that's in uh in character form, so to speak, to be getting yellows right now. But he's gonna be playing pissed. This might be the only match I'd be fine with him getting a straight red in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be worried about. I mean, I mean that's he, why one of my bigger fears is almost like being refereed a lot closer. Yeah, and we talked about him getting away with some of like those rash, you know, like tackles before with a yellow and, and sometimes with no yellow. Uh, so I'm kind of worried that this game will be refereed a lot more closely, knowing the last game. Yeah, that's that's the thing is like he's gonna be pissed because he just started to play for us. 
and gets injured by a we should see if they'll uh, we'll let VVD do the VAR booth. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as for the result, you had one, man. Another two nil. Two nil, huh? Yeah. That's, that's generous. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I really think we're gonna win this one. We have kind of almost like a lot to play for. Not that Everton doesn't, but mm-hmm. I feel like we have a lot to play for, especially coming off of the other one going back to Dickler says I just hope we keep our heads uh and keep the focus and kind of put that into work rate as opposed to some like you know like silly tackles but I tell you what regardless of who's like who has the lead and who's winning and stuff like that uh I can see this game getting uglier towards the end regardless oh it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be a bloodbath yeah, I'm worried about our players getting sucked into situations that like, and I'm going to tell you right now, like I played competitively for a lot of years and I I would have been a nightmare in games like this because mm-hmm. I'm a hothead and I would have like, I would have been waiting for my spot, you know? Oh, I like, did it so in my with, beer league games in college. I mean, there are some things you used to be able to do and get away with mm-hmm. right. that goes to VAR and they watch and you know, like you they can, see everything now. You can't get away with any of the shit you and I used to do. You yes, know what I mean? Exactly. And that's the problem. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would be thrown out constantly. Uh, Cause I mean, there was a lot of like, you know, like a leg kick, you know, you did all kinds of crap to get on, you yeah. know, get the other side pissed if nothing else, especially as a defender, you can get away with it. Cause when is it going to get to tackle me? Um, right. but, um, yeah. Like that's probably the, like my biggest fear going into this game. I feel like, this win hopefully will start something and we just have a lot to play for based off of that. I mean, I feel like we're not going to like shut them out. Uh, I say like a three, one or three, two win. Uh, but I feel like we'll get to them. Uh, I don't think they're very like secure in defense. Obviously we saw from the Tottenham game. So, so are you going to still bypass the score prediction Bickler or I'll go two, one. All right. Okay. Two, one. I think, I think on the record. it's going to be, I actually think it's going to be a really, really tight game. I think it's going to be way closer than I want it to be. And I think it will be late game dramatics. And I just hope that everyone stays healthy with no reds. Yep. We I got T-Rex as as arms as, in their goal. So, you know, as long as one of us is right, so I don't care who's right. Uh, I don't even <laughs> care if one of us is not right. So as long as we get the three points, I think it would be huge, especially for that top four thing and just like to get the momentum rolling. I really feel like it's all, not all maybe, but majority of this is mental, you know? Like, yeah, you know, I think like, this is going like to be a big motivation game. Just, so is kind of like losing and being in a rut. So to get rid of the ruts, a couple of wins back to back would go a long way. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Uh, hopefully next Monday night when we sit down again, uh, we'll be talking about a Derby victory. And thanks to all for listening. Uh, continue to check out our websites, uh, our regular posts, especially with the Champions League right now. Uh, we got that going as well, along with some new, actually, uh, Liverpool official Liverpool Sporter Club podcasts uh, we'll be doing shortly. Uh, like some of the bigger ones, actually, like in like Dallas and Boston and stuff like that. So uh, stay tuned to the websites. Stay tuned to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. And thank you, gentlemen. Up the Reds. Up the Reds.